Shalom, welcome to Tanakh Study. This is Alex Israel with you. And this is our second Shior on Parshat Vayera. We're in Breshit, Perak Yudchet, chapter 18. And we've just seen Avram and Sarah offer hospitality to three wayfaring men, three strange men who come to visit their, their tent. And uh, Avram has just accompanied them on their way. I'll read from Pasuk Tetzayin. The men left. Verse 16. And they overlooked Sodom. And Avraham was walking with them to see them off. Avraham holech imam l'shalcham. Vahashem amar Avraham And Hashem said, Shall, shall I conceal from Avraham what I'm about to do? For Avraham Avraham is going to be a great and mighty nation, and all the people of the world, all the nations of the world, will be blessed, blessed through him. For I know him, for I have known him, or some people have said I have destined him, that he will instruct his sons and his household after him to keep the derech Hashem, to keep the way of God, to do mishpat, to do righteousness and justice, so that God may bring upon Avraham all that he has spoken concerning him. And now we have what God has been waiting to say. The cry of Sodom and Amorah is great. And their sin is so heavy. I'm going to go down, I'm going to descend and see whether the cry that is ascending to me is indeed true. If they have if they have dealt destruction if if not I shall know these are some of the most incredible psukim uh, I think that we've come across so far in the stories of Abraham because as we read these psukim we understand uh, something remarkable about Abraham himself about Judaism and about God's relationship with Abraham God says I cannot conceal from Avram what I'm about to do because Avram's going to be a great nation because I know him that he is going to he is going to establish a tradition an educational tradition whereby he's going to command his children his household the Derech Hashem and what is the Derech Hashem? Tzedakah u'mishpat by the way Tzedakah u'mishpat Tzedakah might mean charity Mishpat uh, justice and we usually see justice as different to charity charity is chesed and mishpat is din but in truth in the Tanakh tzedakah mishpat is really one thing and it means to practice justice in a, in a sort of kind and empathetic way now first of all let me just dwell on the fact that Hashem is, says this is his derech Hashem I think this is such a deep idea if you go to somebody, any religious Jew, and you ask, what is the way of God? What is God's way? I don't know what they'd say. 
you put on tefillin in the morning, you go to shul. What will they think is the way of God? Don't intermarry. Everybody has their definitions. Here we're told that the way of God is staka umishpat, kindness and justice. And we might now realize that this appeal to Avram comes after his um, scene of hospitality where he so ably shows his staka in that scene. So Avram has established a way and he teaches his children and his household after him and God knows that. And therefore God says, I cannot conceal what I'm about to do. I'm about to go and destroy Sodom. So how can I be in a situation where I'm going to destroy five cities and a whole valley and not to explain to Avraham what I'm going to do? God is saying that he needs to have, what I think what we call in a modern um, vernacular, transparency. He wants to explain to Avraham what he's doing so that the Derech Hashem will be clear to Avram, so that the way of God will be clear to Avram. Lest Avram think that God randomly destroys things, if Avram wakes up in the morning and sees that Sodom is destroyed, he'll think that God is just cruel or that God is not in control. But God is going to show that the reason he did it is because of the evil that is going on in Sodom. Now God has to share information, consult, if you want, consult with Avraham, in order that Avram will be will understand. So this is really a remarkable text because it talks about why God chose Avraham. I've chosen him so that he will command his children. Um, Avram will command his future generations. That's why Hashem will bless Avraham. But also that's why Hashem has to share information with Avraham, consulting him if you wish. So that Avram will understand and be able to teach his children better what is staka umishpat. Another thing which is said here is that he hears the cries of Sodom and Amorah, reminds us of hearing the cries of the blood of Hevel coming up from the ground. But he has to go and investigate further. He says, I hear the cries, Zakat, Sodom, Amorah, Kiraba, they're, they're great, the crying is great. Their sin is heavy, but I have to go down and see it for myself. And here Chazal Rashi quotes that a judge is not allowed to judge on hearsay. He has to actually see it for himself. And that's why we understand Pasuk Chafbet. Avram is standing with the three angels or with the three messengers. And now two of them are going to go to Sodom. And they're actually going to investigate. And what happens later in the night in Sodom is in fact their investigation. They're going to see whether Sodom are acting righteously or Sodom are acting uh, inappropriately. And what's going to happen later, what's going to transpire to those two angels is very much going to prove one way or another. However, in the next Pasuk, it says, or in, sorry, in that very pasuk, pasuk chafbet, God has said that he wants to explain what's going on to Avraham. And it says, Sodoma. Two of them people went to Sodom. Hashem. But Avraham is still standing before God. 
This Lechaora, especially if I follow the Rashbam's explanation that I spoke about last time, means that Avram is still standing in front of the third angel, the third man, who is an angel, and this is God's messenger, and he's having a conversation with God. Chazal, though, come along, and here there is a very, very strange, uh, enigmatic comment of Rashi, where Rashi says, Avraham odenu omed lifnei Hashem, Avram is still standing before God, is a tikkun sofrim, is almost like a correction to the text, because the text should actually say something different, says Rashi. It should really say, Vahashem odenu omed lifnei Avram that uh, God was still standing before Avram. Um, I don't want to get into what exactly is Tikkun Sofrim, but I will simply say that if we can relate this, not in maybe such a literal sense, what I think Rashi is saying is that in a sense, the text is saying that Hashem is standing before Avram. And what do I mean by this? By God sharing this information with Avram, God is going to have to justify himself. God is, so to speak, going to put himself in front of Avram in the sense that God is going to put himself on trial. Now Avram is going to do something drastic. He is going to argue with God. And this audacious approach of Avraham uh, shouldn't be belittled. I think this is one, as I use this word, audacious, this is one of the most radical theological passages of the, the Torah, because let's let's keep reading what happens here. We all know the story. Pasuk Chaf Gimel, Vayigash Avraham LeYomer, Avtispet Sadik Im Rasha. Really, are you going to kill the Sadik with the Rasha? Are you going to um, wipe out the innocent with the guilty? Now, let me say a word about Sadik. Um, first of all, we said that what was God's way? Tzedakah Umishpat. And we're going to see a, that these two words, tzedek and mishpat, are going to be milim anchot. They're going to be leading words. They're going to be words which are going to appear over and over and over in the next passages that we're going to see. Tzedek and mishpat. In this regard, the word sadik. We look at sadik as somebody who is righteous. Um, but, you know, is somebody particularly pious or righteous? But the truth is that in the Torah, um, there is a sense that Sadiq doesn't mean righteous, but rather innocent. A Rasha is guilty, a Sadiq is somebody who is innocent. Kohelet is saying there that there is no person who is genuinely innocent who does only good and no evil. But really the word Sadiq here means somebody who is innocent. So when in Pasukhaf Gimel verse 23, Avram turns around and says, really you're going to get let the innocent be with the guilty. It's not the righteous with the guilty. It's the, are you really going to wipe out the innocent with the sinful? And he says, Maybe there are 50 innocent people in the city. Are you going to totally wipe it out and not tisa, not carry the place, not bear the place, not forgive the place because of the 50 uh, innocent people who were in it? 
And God can and, and, and Avram continues and listen to the power of his statement. How God forbid or woe to you if you do this thing to kill the righteous or the innocent with the wicked. Should the innocent really be the same as the guilty? Will the judge of all the world not do justice? Notice the recurrent Sadiq Shofet. God, you taught me about Sedek and Mishpat. And now are you going to abrogate your whole value system? Will the judge of all the world not do justice? Now the interesting question here is what is Avram really arguing for? After all, it seems like the city is pretty evil. And we all know the rest of the story. He's going to go down to 50 and then to 45 and from 45 down to 40 and then 30 and 20 and 10. And indeed, there aren't even 10 Sadiqim, 10 innocent people in the city. What is Avram really arguing for when he argues for, you know, if there are 50 people, are you really going to destroy the city? I I should stress here that in the next chapter, in chapter 19, we'll read the fact that at a certain point, Lot asks for a reprieve. And Lot asks if one of the cities might be spared. And God indeed spares one of the cities. And it's fascinating that Lot's request is is agreed and Avram's is not. And the reason for that is that Lot is asking for Rachamim. But Avram is talking to God in the language of justice. He's not asking for Tzedakah. He's asking for Tzedek and Mishpat. And in this regard, I think we have to, we've already mentioned two milim anchot, two leading words, sedek and mishpat, but a third set is in order, and that is the notion of the makom, the idea of makom or ear. God, uh, Avram is arguing not that if indeed everybody is judged as individuals, then there is no reason why if there are 50 innocent people, then they should get spared but the city should be destroyed. But in fact, we have this sense that the notion of a makom or a city, a, a city or a, is a symbol of the notion of the public, the notion of the collective, the public culture. It's not about individuals, but we're dealing here with a whether we have a sense of a public punishment, collective punishment, as we might call it. And therefore what he's arguing for is some sense of social justice in the sense of the social, not individual justice, but social justice. And here, as I say, uh, you will find the recurrence of this word all the time. For example, he will say, um, if you find 50 people for um, God, God's response. Let's read God's response. He says, indeed, Im em Sodom chamishim tzadikim, verse 26, Pasuk Chavav, if I find in Sodom 50 innocent people, betoch ha'ir, in the city, v'nasati l'chol hamakom ba'avuram, I will forgive, or I will uh, give a reprieve to the entire place for them. So the significance here is on the makom, uh, we we find it uh, all the time, for example, in the next um, the next segment where Avram says, 
I began to speak to you. I am but, but um, dust and, uh, and ashes. Maybe there aren't 50, but there are five less. Will you, for just five, 50 you were willing to do, but five less, will you really destroy the whole city by the way Avram is playing a lovely game here Avram originally got God to agree that if there were 50 he wouldn't destroy the place so when he asks for 45 he doesn't say 45 he says maybe there are just five less right for five people you're going to destroy the city and God responds and says that wasn't very nice what you said it's really not just five it's he says, I won't destroy if I find 45. <laughs> but don't start playing numbers with me. You said 50 and now you're, you're talking about just five. Um, all the way through, we find the emphasis on the uh, notion of the place. For example, if you look into the next chapter, verse 12 and 13, he says, Milecha um, po chatanu um, And he says, the notion of this idea of, and later on, likewise the emphasis on the city. We're going to see later that um, the notion of the word ear is mentioned over and over again. And I'm saying this because it's important for us to stand, understand this almost bargaining plea which Avram is doing with God, where he's going to go down from 50 to 45 to uh, 40 to 30 to 20 to 10, is happening on the basis that um, a, a collective punishment and collective salvation, there has to be a critical mass of people in the in this region. And it's fascinating that we stop at 10, and that 10 is the notion of a minyan, 10 is the definition in Judaism of a community and I think there's an understanding that the community if there really are 10 people they will be able to save the collective they should be a potent force but anything less than that really is a collection of uh, individuals and that really explains why we need 10 people for a, a prayer quorum for a minyan um, that is what's happening here I will I've mentioned Avram's boldness in prayer and fascinating how he turned around to God in verse 25. How can you do such a thing? Woe to you, God. Will the judge of all earth not practice justice? But notice how, just a few pesukim later, Avram adopts a much more um, humble stance and refers to himself as afar ve'efer. I am but uh, dust and ashes. He realizes that he this is an inappropriate way to talk to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and he adopts a different uh, vocabulary here in the way that he talks. So pay attention to the. I'll read till the end of the chapter here. So he says, "Hinei naho vanochi afar ve'efer." Reading from verse twenty-seven. I have begun to speak to you. Lindaber is a strong type of speaking. I've challenged you, but indeed I am only dust and ashes. Maybe there will be five less 
um, will you destroy for just five the whole city for just five and God responds I won't destroy it if there are 45 people he speaks again and says maybe there are 40 I won't do it for 40 please don't be angry let me speak again maybe there are 30 innocent people and God says, If there are 30, I won't find, I won't destroy them. Again, notice the repetition of this introduction. I've begun to speak, I've begun to speak to you. Maybe there are 20. Maybe I can speak one last time. Maybe there are 10. I won't destroy if there are 10. And God left. God ends the conversation. He puts down the phone when he had finished speaking to Abraham. For Abraham, shav limkomo. And Avraham returned back to his place. The fascinating thing in this conversation is that we don't know how it ends. I wonder if Avraham knew how it ends. So, are there 10 people? Are there 20? Are there 30? Did God accept Avraham's um, challenge? If we can sum up here, what's remarkable about this entire scene is that God, so to speak, is standing to uh, the bar of justice from Abraham, and Abraham is bargaining, like in a shuk, um, for the number of people, innocent people, that need to be there in order to save the city. And this is all part of what God says at the beginning of this whole scene, that because I am giving Avraham a tradition of tzedek and mishpat, that Avraham is going to be committed to justice, and this is going to be the derech Hashem that he passes down to his line, I have to be transparent, I have to explain what I'm doing. Really, really remarkable. Let's keep reading, because while this has been going on, two of the angels have been making their way down to Sodom, and let's remember, if we read the story, even God hasn't quite decided what he's doing yet. Because he said, I'll only destroy if the the cry that I'm hearing is indeed as bad as it is. So let's see what happens. The two angels come to Sodom in the evening. Remember, before it was the heat of the day in Hebron. It's taken, it's happening, they act in a realistic way. These two angels are acting like human beings and therefore it takes them all afternoon to get to Sodom. For Lot Yoshev Bashar Sodom. And Lot is sitting at the entrance of Sodom. Vayar Lot Vayakamikratam Vaishtachopaimartsa Lot gets up and gets up to meet them. He sees them, he gets up to meet them and bows down twice to the ground and says, please come to my house. And please stay over and wash your feet. And you'll get up in the morning and go on your way. They say, no, we want to stay in the street. And he really begs them. And they come to him. They come to his house. They eat, um, he baits for them matzot and they eat. 
Here we encounter Lot acting much in the same way as Avraham. Interestingly enough, um, Lot offers them a bed where Avraham did not offer them a bed. Avraham didn't offer them a bed because it was the middle of the day, and so instead he said um, that that uh, you will carry on going on your way. He says, uh, I'll give you to eat, because that's why you've come, to have a midday siesta, whereas Lot realizes they're coming in the evening and they need a bed to sleep for the night, and that's why he offers them to stay over. But notice the way that Lot is in the entrance of Sodom, just like Avram was the entrance to his tent. Lot offers them expansive hospitality. Lot also makes matzot. Why matzot? And here's the element of the speed. Matzot are bread, bread that you have to bake with great speed, and and therefore he... He bakes them bread quickly, just like Avram did. And in this regard, when we look at, at Lot, we say, wow, you know, he really seems like a Talmud of Avram Avinu. He seems to mirror Avram Avinu. And this is something very special about him. I have to say that Chazal really do... We're going to see in our next class how Chazal are very ambivalent about Lot. They have positive things to say and negative things to say. But in this regard, the Perkei de Rabbi Eliezer says amazing things about that Avram has in sorry that Lot had indeed absorbed all of the teachings of Avram in this way, and they talk about the pasuk that he who walks with the wise will become wise, that it's like somebody who goes into a perfumery and comes out smelling nice. Uh, Lot went into a went along with Avraham and he adopted from his good ways of course this raises the question about whether Lot now being in Sodom adopts their evil ways and this is something um, which goes back to the opening line where it says for Lot Yoshev Bashar Sodom Lot is sitting at the entrance of Sodom I suggested that he's sitting there waiting for guests, much like Avraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent. If he was sitting in the middle of the town, he wouldn't have spotted the guests. But here there are two other possible interpretations. One interpretation says that who sits at the Sha'ar, Shoftim v'shotrim titein l'cha b'chol Sha'arecha. It is the leaders of the community, the judges and the elders who sit in the gateway of the city. In which case... Lot has become a fully-fledged Sodomite. He has become somebody who is on the city council, maybe even the mayor of the town, and has risen to great prestige in the in the city. This certainly doesn't bode very well for Lot, unless Lot is intending as a one-man band trying to influence the city for good. But this would raise severe questions about Lot and his personality if he really is the leader of Sodom. Another diametrically opposed interpretation sees Lot um, in the Shar Sodom that in some way his residence is at the Sha'ar. He's living in the walls, much like if you recall the story of Jericho with in the beginning of the book of Joshua, Yosefah Yehoshua, we have Rachav Hazonah, Rachav the prostitute, who's living inside the walls. And in this regard, we can look at living in the walls as almost a metaphor for somebody who is on the periphery of society. Rachav, in that story, um, she sells her people out. 
she's the one who makes a deal with the enemy, with the representatives of Am Yisrael, with the messengers, the spies of Joshua, and plans to collaborate in order to uh, sabotage the protection of the city. And therefore, Rachav is somebody who doesn't only have a house in the wall, she lives at the periphery of society, she feels injured by society, she feels unaffiliated with her society. The question is whether Lot, who's sitting at the gateway, is somebody who's sitting in the same way at the edges of society because he prefers not to associate with society. And as uh, we're going to follow these Malachim, the Malachim have come to check out the city. I would argue that's why initially they say, we want to sleep in the streets, Kibrochov Nalin. If they ha- if they're there on a mission in order to, on behalf of God, see whether the city is evil, they're not going to learn very much if they spend the night in Lot's house. And therefore they say, Kibrochov Nalin. Vayiv Tsarban Ma'od, Lot begs them, he tries to persuade them, and indeed they come to his house. And I guess they felt that they'd have to go and do the investigation in the next morning. And yet, little did they know, Pasuk Dalad, Terem Yishkavu, even before they went to sleep, Vanshei Ha'ir, Anshei Sidom, Nasabu al Habayit, Minarva Adzakein, Kola Amikatser, the men of Sidom, the men of the city, come and surround the house from young till old, all the people, mikatzer, from edge to edge. Suddenly they're going to have a very rude awakening and they're going to have to understand that these people, uh, the people of Saddam, are indeed evil, all of them, and that even though they thought they could investigate the city from the street, they'll investigate it very well from Lot's house. We will continue with this story, please God, in our next podcast. Have a great day.